This content is suitable for curious and objective listeners and viewers only. User discretion is advised. You know, they say if you don't know where you come from, you don't know where you go. It's a pleasure to uh, be face to face somewhat. <laughs> for sure. For sure. How's everything going? I'm, I'm, I'm good, man. I, I really I can complain, but I can't complain. Right. So mm-hmm. just like just like everyone. So, man, I'm, I'm excited to have this convo, man. How you living? All is well, brother. Just another day grinding, trying to get to it, getting through this pandemic. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I hear that. I hear that. I mean, what, what have you learned? What have you learned from this pandemic? And um, what have you? What's a skill or trait? Uh, the reason why I ask is for me, this the credentials was born out of the pandemic. Honestly, <laughs> I was thinking, you know, I want to be active. I want to network, and then everything shut down. So I've been thinking, how, how can I network? How can I expand? How can I grow? Step out my comfort zone and. This is how this was formed. I didn't know anything about editing or putting together audio content and what it takes and what it doesn't take. So this has all been, you know, born out of uh, out of necessity for me to stay active and be productive and and do good things. So I want to pass that question to you. What have you learned from from this time period? It's a great question, man. I, I think for me personally, um, you know, having being forced to kind of sit still and reflect. Um, I, I think the biggest thing that I personally learned about myself is that it, there's a lot of things I, can, I, I don't need in life. There's a lot of things I can do without. And uh, even more so, uh, it, it really allowed me to kind of prioritize what's most most important. So that being my health, my family, um, and realizing that I don't need as, as many mater- material things as I might have thought I did, or I don't need to be doing as much as I thought I did. And so really kind of taking a step back and analyzing um, what's most important in my life and, and being clear on on where I'm trying to go, the direction I'm trying to go in and, and what type of lifestyle do I see myself living? And so I think that was probably the mo- most beneficial thing that I took away from, you know, being, you know, in quarantine for a year now and, and, and taking that step back and, and you know, we're not going to get a time like this ever again. You know, I think it, it, the silver lining in it all is kind of, it, it really re- revealed a lot of, you know, uh, some of our demons, some of the things that we might have been struggling with, and some of the things that we um, have, have pushed away in our lives, but it's, it's come to the forefront. And so I think the pandemic, you know, that's the silver lining in it all. And, and it was a great opportunity to kind of reveal that those, um, those, those factors of our life that we uh, kind of just pushed to the side for so long. So I think it was good in that aspect. And then from a, from a skill perspective, um, I think more clarity, man. Um, one of the things that I think I've always been good at, but it, the pandemic kind of revealed it a little bit more, was just the, the aspect of storytelling. I've always been passionate about storytelling, and that's something that when I was making my transition from being an athlete, um, it, it intrigued me the most about, you know, uh, sports in general, just the stories behind the players we see on the court or on the field, just the stories behind the game. And, and that aspect uh, and that skill that I've been able to kind of carry over and, and use um, professionally has really been the driver for a lot of the opportunities and um, things that I've been able to do so far. So I think storytelling is, is probably the biggest thing that I've been trying to hone in on and, and really, you know, uh, I, I, I guess make my make my number one uh, strength and focus uh, and driver. It's funny how it took a pandemic for us to really sink in with the concept of less is more. It's okay to have nice things. It's okay to want nice things, but 
everything's good in moderation, right? Is another right. thing that we, we learn. And then second, I love the fact, that's why I want to have you on and talk about your book, Impact Beyond the Game, because you, you're talking about storytelling, but telling stories of substance. You know, so much of our media consumption around sports and entertainment is around trivial, unimportant information. I like to call it tea time, you know, where people just want to get the tea of being sloppy and being messy instead of telling real stories of inspiration and, and courage and, and resilience and, and commitment. You know, I just had my boy on, uh, David Nichols. He's in uh, playing overseas professional in Slovenia. And he's someone who was player of the year in Chicago, Catholic League, which is real deal competition. But since he's a, a six foot guard, he had no D1s. He had to go to a prep school. And then the prep school, the situation dissolved because the coaches and everyone's hungry. So once playing time gets involved, everyone's not not feeling it. And the situation dissolved, goes to prep school, that situation dissolved, has to work a job, has to still try to stay in shape, working out, and then has to go travel and play seniors for a scholarship as a quote unquote freshman. You know, we're not hearing those stories on SportsCenter and, and and Fox Sports or or Bleacher Report. You know what I'm saying? We're hearing who's dating who, uh, who's talking behind the locker room to who. It's like, that's why, you know, I feel like we're in a, we're going backwards. We're, we're going, we have so much technology, so much beautiful things, but our mindset is going backwards because we're focused on trivial stuff, you know, and it's, it's important that people like you, we, we, people like us break through and switch up the ecosystem. You know what I'm saying? I, I love what you're doing with, with Athletes Unheard. So before we go into the whole conversation, Malcolm Lemons, just to give our viewers some background, you were a D1 player from, from University of Niagara. You went and, and hooped high school in DC. And as you know, that's uh, a real hoop city. You know what I'm yeah. saying? DC, DC's real hoop culture. Then you played overseas for a couple of years and now you're an entrepreneur, you're a storyteller, you're an author. So can you talk about your basketball journey? Because a lot of my guests are like you where they're athletes, but they're expanding and you're using your, their platform to do more and be more than, you know, as LeBron said, more than athletes. So can you expand a little bit about your basketball journey to give our viewers some perspective on who you are and what you bring to the table. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I mean, I grew up like every other kid who, you know, wanted to, to play professional, you know, be a professional athlete and uh, going to, you know, a highly prestigious high school in DC called Gonzaga College High School. I had the opportunity to compete at a very high level against guys like Quinn Cook, um, Victor Oladipo, Jeremy Grant, you know, so a lot of guys who are, you know, playing professionally right now, uh, just a tremendous amount of talent. And uh, that really kind of fueled my competitive drive, man. I had never really uh, taken basketball that seriously until I got to high school and saw what I, how much effort I really needed to put into, you know, achieve that dream, you know, of being a professional athlete. So, um, you know, I had to had the opportunity to to go play at Niagara University. Um, a lot of ups and downs. Ended up transferring my senior year to a school called Cal State San Marcos. Um, and you know, kind of just took a leap of faith, but I ended up having the best year I ever had playing basketball out there. Um, and that was really what afforded me the opportunity to go play overseas. So I, I achieved that dream of becoming a professional athlete, but 
it was nothing like I expected, man. I got over there and I didn't have a bid. Um, you know, we were behind on pay. The general manager was sick. So the team was in shambles. I was walking to practice. It was, it was horrible to say the least. And, um, you know, going through that situation, um, and then for the next several years, kind of bouncing back and forth from overseas, I knew it wasn't a lifestyle that I wanted to continue living. It's very unstable and very volatile. Um, I was missing holidays, missing family occasions, and I'm very close with my family, so that was tough for me. Um, but while I was going back and forth, I was working jobs to kind of support myself because um, as most people might not know, athlete, most athletes don't make millions of dollars. So I had to come back home and work, and I was working retail, I was working security, uh, just to support myself, man, and, and try to pay for workouts and stuff like that. Um, and I, I quickly saw uh, what I didn't want my life to look like in life after basketball, whenever that would, would, would come. And so that next year, when I went back overseas, I kind of took a step back. And, you know, being overseas, you've got a lot of time on your hands, obviously. And I started thinking about, you know, if basketball was taken away from me today. What would I be doing? And I had no idea. I had no game plan. Um, so I used that time to to really reflect and um, at the time, I didn't even have a Wi-Fi, but I had a computer in front of me. And so I just started to type. I just started to type about my life, my journey, what I went to went through to become a professional athlete. Um, and to kind of make a long story short, you know, I came back home and I was sharing that content with other people. And uh, other people were telling me how inspiring my story was. And I had never thought about writing a book, but I had so much content um, already in place. And so I went ahead and, and got that book published. And that was like the beginning of my transition and, and me really seeing, uh, the value that I can provide to the world outside of dribbling or shooting a basketball. Um, and so that's how I, I started to make that transition. It was, it was still very challenging. You know, you, you know, you, you publish a book, you start to get some opportunities, um, and, and things of that nature coming in you still, you know, you really don't have direction and you have your identity so tied to being an athlete for so long. It's like disassociating yourself from that is mentally and emotionally very, very difficult to do. So uh, I, I tell people all the time, like that transition, even though it seems like I made it seamlessly, it took years. And in some regards, I still feel like I'm going through it. So um, the biggest thing I tell athletes is like, you got to be patient and really just trust the process and trust that whatever you want to do next in your life, whatever, you know, you, you feel like your passion is outside of your sport, um, go towards it, but, but understand that it's not going to happen overnight. And it's, it's, it's the same with you trying to become a great athlete. Like no athlete becomes, you know, great overnight. That takes years and years of effort and hard work. And it's going to be the same thing when you make that transition. Exactly. So let me ask you a question based on that. What made you decide to type and write? Because I was listening to a podcast and Jerry Seinfeld said, the hardest thing in the world to do is write. So what made you decide to do arguably probably top five then to type, you know, and type out your story? Did you always have a passion for writing or did someone, people in your family are writers or where'd that come from? I would say it was, it was partially out of fear, a fear of not knowing what to do. Um, and then it was also writing has always been the best way that I, I communicate with the world. I was never the most outspoken kid. You know, I, I was I was I was definitely a class clown and I would get in trouble a lot, but I like to have fun. Um, and that was, so that was me growing up. But whenever I would get sent to the principal's office, they would always ask me, you know, Malcolm, why did you do this or why? Why would you do that? And I just it was like I was just didn't know. I just sat there and I never could express, you know, how I was feeling or why I was doing certain things or 
um, feeling a certain type of way. But whenever I, I, I could write my feelings, my emotions, what I was thinking, it always came out much clearer to me. And so writing uh, is very cathartic, you know, in that aspect for me. And it, it, it's a very re revealing process. And I think that's why it's so challenging because you really got to sit there and come to come to truth with your thoughts. Um, and that's hard for people to do. So writing comes naturally. I, I feel it's a strength of mine. And as I said before, it's just how I, I best communicate. And I think I didn't really, I wasn't conscious of that when I first started to write overseas. Um, but the more I did it, the more I started to really realize, you know, that you know, writing could be something that can help me um, really kind of push my message forward and uh, tell my story in the most compelling way possible. Yeah, that's that's funny. I relate to that so much. And thank you. Thank you for sharing that, because that just I like sharing perspectives and giving people experiences through storytelling and that's a good experience for someone who's trying to figure it out and and realizing to apply that to something else that if you've always had a, a passion for just creating stuff or, or building stuff then why don't you try if you're in college why don't you try something challenging like engineering because that's all about building even though you were thinking about you know a, a, a basic business major because you think you want to be in business it's like Follow the things that excite you or, or challenge you. I, I love how you figured that out unconsciously. And then now you're looking back consciously like, you know, this is why it was happening. For me, I, I could relate because I was a class clown too, but it was also, I think it's because for me, a lot of times I was trying to build friendship because I moved every year. Every year I had a new crib. Every year I was, I felt like I was going to a new school so or a new environment. So I was like, if I can get some, some of these jokes off and then like, oh, okay he, he's cool it's and cool then, yeah. yeah and then and then build it that way so i thank you for sharing like how you how you uh reached your your passion or your interest in writing so now to get to your book right impact yeah. impact beyond the game right how athletes can use their influence and their platform and monetize it what made like where is where the passion where the passion for this for this book come from it's a good question, man. Um, I think for me, as I transitioned out of basketball, I started to really tap into what I was most interested at the time. And you know, going back to storytelling and media and sports, just that being my background, I became fascinated with the, the things that athletes were doing off of the field, not so much you know, how they were performing on, on the court or on the field or their stats, but really like, who are these people behind the jersey? And so, you know, as conversations started to heat up around name, image, and likeness, maybe around 2018, um, I want to say, I had wrote an article for the Huffington Post um, that was called, I can't remember what it was called exactly, but it was basically about the pros and cons of paying student athletes. And that, that article went viral. Like I was getting calls from like TV one, like all types of different networks. And I just wrote it just because it was, you know, something I wanted to kind of digest for myself and think about, you know, if student athletes did get paid, what would that look like? Um, and I, I saw the response from that article and I had been doing a lot of research around the topic. Um, and so that's kind of how the book, you know, started for me. I think I got the idea maybe around that time, 2018, 2019. Um, and I had been, you know, throughout the years putting out content around the importance of personal branding and why athletes need to start thinking about, um, you know, how to attract these other opportunities while they're still playing. Um, I just saw that, you know, as we're moving towards, you know, this, this world of, of technology and, and, 
social media and how it's ever evolving, um, the options that athletes have during their careers, um, you know, they're vast, but that window is very short. If you do not take advantage of it, you know, you're, you're obviously not an athlete forever. And so the more that you're able to capitalize off of that relevance and, and build relationships that are going to be, uh, you know, beneficial to you in life after sports, the better off you'll be. And that's what I really wanted to convey is to, to get athletes to understand, like, you know, you have this short period of time when you have this title, this, this athlete title next to your name, what are you doing to really take advantage of that? What, how are you leveraging that platform effectively so that, you know, if you wanted to get into to the VC world or become an entrepreneur or become a philanthropist or become an author, you have the relationships in place, you have the know-how in place, you have a direction, a brand strategy so that you're able to capitalize efficiently and effectively. And so that was really the purpose and the driving factors behind why I wanted to publish this book. Now is an opportunity for anyone, as long as you have a skill and you're willing to sell it or talk about it or perform it or act it out or, you know, I'm saying willing to be expose it. There is an opportunity for you. So you don't have to be an athlete. You don't have to be an entertainer. You can be someone like my boy, Sauce and What's Nice. He's just a part time uh, chef creating food content. His brand can grow and build and use the same things that you're talking about in this book to elevate and grow and monetize. Everyone can monetize because we have a Zoom computer. We can go, everyone can go on YouTube. Everyone can go on Instagram. Everyone right. can go on Twitter, Facebook. It's not just for athletes and entertainers, but at the same time, uh, we, we are talking about athletes and entertainers. So how does an athlete calculate the value that they bring? Like what are the elements and ingredients? And why do you, why do you say 2021 is the, the perfect time to, for an athlete to get started in creating their brand and creating their identity outside of the, their respective field? Um, well, I think first and foremost, like, you know, given, you know, where we're at in the world and just the amount of, um, the, there's the, the barriers to entry are so low. You know, you have platforms like Substack, like Shopify, like OnlyFans, like all Cameo, all these different companies and platforms that are emerging that are just creating more options and opportunities that athletes can capitalize on. Um, I, I think it's a, it's a, you know, tremendous opportunity to really, uh, you know, leverage your platform to, to take advantage and to make money, you know, in, in seamless ways. So I think that first and foremost, but when you analyze, you know, how, the value that you bring to the table, I think a number of different things kind of play a part in that. Um, and now you have companies that are out there that provide these, this data, this data and this, these analytics that can better assess it from a monetary perspective. Um, but I think things such as engagement, you know, how are you building that relationship with your community on your social media profiles or whatever metrics that you're using to kind of create that relationship. Um, so analyzing that, obviously, follower count, I think, plays a part to a degree. Um, your reach, so all these different metrics that you know are embedded within these platforms i think are extremely important um but then also looking at it from the brand's point of view and what the roi uh, are, are they trying to get from this relationship that they have with an athlete is it um you know a, a monetary roi is it brand awareness so really under under understanding those kpis for the brand that you might be working with and uh, assessing how you can use what you have, the relationship that you have with your audience and, and who, who's in that demographic, more, most importantly, um, to really bring something that, to the table that can build a long-term relationship with 
you know, from a brand partnership perspective or anything of that nature. So there's a lot of different things that kind of play a part in that, but it's, it's all about, um, I think for an athlete to, uh, first and foremost, really understand who you're trying to reach, you know, who is really in this audience that you have and uh, furthermore, deepening that relationship from an engagement perspective so that you go to you go to a company and you can say, hey, here are the, here, these are the people that are following me and here's why they're following me, you know, being really clear on that so that these brands can really understand the value that you're bringing to the table. You don't have to have a million followers to be valuable, you know, more so than an athlete who has a really engaged following at 50,000, you know. So it's understanding those things and, and really getting clear on the audience that you're serving, I think is the most important thing you have to, to understand. Well said. So in layman terms, what an athlete should be focused on is comments, who's sharing, who's saving, because I think the algorithm changed, right? So now people, companies or the platforms are looking for who's commenting, who's sharing on the, in the, on their stories and who's saving the content and sharing it later. You know what I'm saying? Who's sending it to their friends, to their group chats. So engagement is very important. There's a lot of different metrics. Yeah. The main ones are engagement, engagement, engagement. I think that's the, that's the yeah. name of the game because like you said, you could have, I could have 10,000 followers, but 5,000, if I got 5,000 comments, that's better than someone with 2.8 million followers and only a hundred right. comments, you know, mm -hmm. they, they want, they want to see, they want to see engagement. So now to talk about your, your book and the, in the opening, you mentioned how Shaq, the Williams sisters and A-Rod are having so much success off the court and marketing and endorsements and business ventures. I want to ask your opinion. Is it because of their athletic success that they just get easy opportunities or do they have some secret sauce or is it both? It's definitely both. I mean, these, these are some of the greatest athletes of our generation, but at the same time, you know, there's been plenty of athletes who have been great, who have not, done so well on the business side. So I think it's definitely, you know, a balance between the two and these athletes understanding that um, it, it gets much harder when you reach that magnitude because you do have to put people around you who are supporting, um, you know, you as an athlete, but also you as an entrepreneur. I think your circle is incredibly important. So um, knowing how to navigate that aspect, knowing how to say no to certain opportunities, because I'm sure they get an influx of thousands of, of things that come on their plate on a daily basis. So it's, it's a, it's, it's a balance between the two. And, and um, I think it, it takes a, a, um, a level of competency, um, you know, from a, from an entrepreneurship perspective to, to really reach the kind of success that these athletes have, have gotten to. And so um, as much as they've been great on the playing field, you know, I'd, I'd argue that they've been better off of it. Um, and, and it's just, incredible that we have these type of role models to show athletes like you can do both you can be great at both but it takes patience and it takes work and it takes um studying the game putting the time in and really um understanding that business is just like sports and it takes the same amount of effort to be um you know to be excellent in it yeah to your to add on to what you're saying research master p said that's the number one thing research what you're about to do before you do it because once right. you get the research down, then 
That's how you feel confident in the business meetings. That's how you feel confident in negotiations. That's how you feel confident in knowing the steps to take inside the business or inside the marketing deal, whatever the case may be. It's doing the research. And I agree with you in, in also that it's it's both, right? The, the success on the court affords them to pick and choose opportunities. But mm -hmm. secret sauce is them doing the research and taking it serious to understand what they're getting into, which allows them to pick and choose the right opportunities. And that's right. why it works. So mm -hmm. just like how you study playbook or you study film, it's the same with anything and everything. Everything's about research and knowledge and just like this, like to start up to write a book, it takes research on, okay, what publishing company and what is publishing and how, what are the margins and what should I be looking for? What shouldn't I be looking for? You know, doing the research on who, what companies are good, what companies are bad in this industry? Where's the highest prices, but the best materials, where's the cheapest prices, but the, the worst materials, all that research is, mm -hmm. is so vital. And like you said, going back to we, our beginning of our conversation, this pandemic time was a blessing if you took the tragic event as an opportunity to learn and grow and expand and do research and really figure out the next steps on how you're going to take 2021 and beyond and elevate. Or if you're already doing well, how do you maintain that? Do the research into maintaining and transitioning. You mentioned the attention economy. What can you describe what that what you mean by that? So, you know, we, we live in a day and age where, you know, everybody is glued to their phones. And if you want to do anything in this in this world, whether that's raise money for a startup or you sell a book or get a speaking engagement, like whatever the case may be, you got to grab someone's attention. And um, their attention is on these platforms that we use on a daily basis. So when I when I put that in the book, I think I took that one from Gary Vee. But, you know, it, it's the truth, man. Like you, you really have to understand where consumers and eyeballs are where they're where they're paying attention um and you know get in front of them so that whatever you're trying to do you can amplify it and you can build awareness around that thing so um that's really what i meant by it and i think it's it's going to be increasingly important as we you know as the world gets noisier um and you you got to be you got to be clear on your messaging you got to be clear on who you're trying to reach um, because it's going to be tougher and tougher as, you know, technology evolves over time. So based on that, right, what if someone's an athlete entertainer has an influence and they're like, I hear what you're saying, but I don't want to do this. Like, what would you say to that person to help open their eyes and, and change their perspective on that? Look, man, there's, I mean, <laughs> I, I, didn't, real, I didn't publish. Man, that's, that's, no, that's it's real. That's 98% of them. They're like, I hear what you're saying, so, but what, so how do you change that mindset? To be honest, man, I'm not in the business of trying to change mindsets, man. Like people are going to do what they want to do. All I could do is provide the knowledge. But at the end of the day, like you got to understand when you're not taking advantage of that platform, you're leaving a lot of money on the table. And I think a prime example, I had uh, spoke to a class at uh, USF one time and, and girl had asked me, um, you know, you talk a lot about personal branding, but what about Kawhi Leonard? You know, he does, he's not on all social media. He's not now spoken. You don't really know anything about his personal life. I'm like, cool. That's good for Kawhi. He's, he's getting paid. He's doing well. But imagine if he was, imagine the opportunities that 
you know, he could be taken advantage of or the, or the dollars that he could be pull, putting in, pulling in if he was on social media, if he was a little more engaging. And I understand that might not be his personality, but there's a number of different ways that you can, um, you know, capitalize off of that influence without necessarily being the face of it all, if that makes sense. So it's really understanding that even if you don't want to be like the person in front of the camera or you don't feel you're as charismatic um, to do that kind of stuff, like you can still uh, write articles or have a blog or whatever the case may be, do a podcast. Like there's a number of different ways that athletes can build their brand without being the face of the brand, if that makes sense, or, or being like always in front of the camera. So um, you don't, my, my thing is like, you just don't want to leave those opportunities on the table. If you, if you can, if you can control them. I agree with you. I agree with you. And to your point, you can't change somebody's mindset about, cause what you want to do is what you want to do. No one's going to tell you otherwise. And the more someone tells you to forces you, the more likely you're not going to do it. I, I just think to your point, it's being aware of, look what you're missing out on. Look at the opportunities you're missing out on. And right. like, just like you said, it doesn't, you don't have to be taking selfies all day and, and things of that nature. All you got to do, you can do stuff behind the scenes. It's just the fact that what we're saying about taking advantage of your platform and your brand is that you are noticeable. You are still on ESPN, Fox Sports, mm -hmm. all, all, Twitter, Instagram, no matter what, even if you don't want to be on it, you're on it. Just you're because you're, you're just not controlling the narrative. Exactly. Which is, is a bigger problem within itself. Exactly. So even you without you thinking, oh, I'm Mr. Cool, Mr. Layback, or I'm Mr. Introvert, you're still out there. So it's like being aware of that and saying, hey, now figure out, because you have to like something outside of outside of sports even if it's playing video games people you video gamers on youtube make the most money people, right. like that is insane to me because even now looking at it like my young my young cousins they watch people play video games i'm mm -hmm. like how do y'all do this y'all watching the video games you're not even playing it you want to just like yeah you, you kill that I'm like it's what are y'all doing you know, yeah. so it's like, it's just, it's not even something of, oh, I don't want to do it. It's like, you're doing it whether you know it or not. It's just, do you want to be a part of it? You might as well be a part of it. You're doing it. Whether you, even if, like you said, once name and image and likeness, even if you think you off the gram and you're still on the football page or the basketball page or the softball page, you know what I'm saying? Your picture, your name, your name, image, likeness right there. So it's like, be a part of it. Just mm -hmm. welcome yourself to it. It's And like you said, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's not going to be great if you don't take the time to learn it. But if you learn it, you could step in and do really well and do what you want to do. But like you, like we we're saying, the knowledge and the research and you right. control the narrative. All right. So now, now we talked about the person who's like, ah, now let's talk about the person you mentioned, people like Lance Armstrong and Barry Bonds, people who athletic greatness, and then they cheated and they did illegal things or, you know what I'm saying? Or not illegal or immoral things. Mm -hmm. And now their brand is ruined and tarnished. If you were in their corner, like you're their manager or you're their friend or whatever the case may be, what would be your approach 
to helping rectify their brand, their reputation. You know what I'm saying? What, what's some gyms you do on that? It's tough, right? That's the thing about working with, with humans at a high level is they're going to make mistakes. They're people just like anyone else. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I think the biggest thing is, and it's, it's tough because it's very situational, um, but in any regard, like owning up to the mistake that you made is, is first and foremost, like nobody, you can't expect anybody to forgive you or for it to go away overnight. But I think from, you know, the athletes that you mentioned and some of the things that they did, like just being upfront about it and coming to terms with the fact that you made a mistake that you messed up, whether it was intentional or not, is step number one. And you got to come to come to terms with with the fact that you that you let people down, that people are going to be disappointed in you. And then from there, man, it's about, you know, creating a plan to how you work through it. And it, it might take years. It might not ever happen. You know, some some mistakes you just can't recover from. Um, but just doing your best to kind of put your put yourself back in a positive light with the people who still might care about you um, and kind of saving face that way. But, um, you know, that that is the the challenging thing about being in the spotlight is that one mistake. You know, they Warren Buffett says it, it takes what, uh, t- 10, 20 years to to make your reputation in, in 20 seconds, 10 seconds to break it you know, to, to ruin it forever. And so that's the reality of the world that we live in. Um, we've been talking about social media and technology. You know, you never know who's filming you. You never know whose camera you're on. So you got to be careful when you're out here and when you're maneuvering and who, who you're hanging out with. So all these different things, but just saving face and just being upfront about the mistake you made is, is definitely um, step number one, no matter what the case is. I agree with you. I think a good example of that would be Michael Vick. You know, mm-hmm. in America where dogs are sacred, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And he, he went ham. I, the first thing he did was, yo, I messed up. I really screwed this up. And I accept full responsibility of my actions. And he's now on national TV, right. you know? And mm-hmm. his brand has done... And it's not to say everyone likes him. There's still people that are not fans of him, but he, for the most part, changed the narrative on his situation. And it's just, we can relate this, not even outside of sports, sports people, just humans. The first step to fixing your problem is admitting I have a problem. Uh, Yeah, exactly. You know, I have an issue and there's something that I need to do. Okay, Charles, I have an issue. Now I can fix it. Once mm-hmm. I admit myself, all right, it's bad. It's going bad. You know what I'm saying? Maybe make some apology. Now I can make the adjustment and go about fixing it. So you mentioned Jeremy Darlow, and he says, personal brand statement starts with the frame of reference and the point of differentiation. Can you break down what that means? Yeah, for sure. So the, the frame of reference really being the landscape and kind of what you're, you're comparing yourself. So, uh, for example, you know, you have, I use Tom Brady, Hall of Fame quarterback. You know, he's, he's probably one of, you know, few that are at that position. So uh, really taking that, that individual that you are um, or, or your sport or your, your title or your position as, you know, that frame of reference and then when it comes to the point of differentiation, it's really um, understanding how your brand can be different. So, um, you know, taking that that Tom Brady example again, the Hall of Fame quarterback who 
is also into health and wellness with his TB12 brand. So under, it's really about understanding how, you know, there's, there's thousands of athletes out here who play the same position of you as you or the same sport as you, but understanding how in a, from an audience or consumer's perspective, you can differentiate your brand and um, your positioning statement uh, in the marketplace um, so that people recognize you and understand why you're unique as opposed to another athlete. Yeah, well said. And I, to add on to what you're saying, to even make it more successful for someone trying to incorporate the personal brand and using those those terms Jeremy said, it's like lean in and be passionate about stuff that you already like. That's really mm-hmm. how you make that difference. It's like, if you really love electronic race cars, mm-hmm. go hard and lean in. Because yeah, you might get clowned by you know people you're close with, but you're gonna be so different because you have that passion. And that's really what makes people great at what they do. It's the passion in it. Yeah. It's like you're gonna have that passion and you're really gonna separate yourself. And then because you like that funny little electronic robot cars, now Nike wants to do a, a huge sneaker deal. Cause they're right. like, yo, he has a million followers just on this. We, mm-hmm. I know we're gonna sell kicks. I know we're gonna sell kicks and we could do collabs. Or now cause you have little jokey jokes electronic cars now you get a tesla deal and they're paying you to drive the new tesla truck because it it's brand alignment you know what i'm saying it's cars cars electric electric so it's Mm -hmm. like lean in it might seem funny yeah you might get clowns like this like talking you know as men like i got boys (laughs) what are you doing like clowning me and stuff it's like but it's like, yeah, I'm gonna get my shit off. Yeah. <laughs> this is what yeah. I like to do. This is what I want to do, and I'm gonna lean into it. Yeah. You know, and you eventually know. it's gonna grow. And it's since I love it, I'm gonna be able to do it forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and to 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 further, you know, kind of piggyback on that. You, when you lean into that passion, you're gonna find the brands and the people that you're for, but most importantly, the people and brands that you're not for. And you get really clear on where you lie in the marketplace so that, you know, going back to talking about your value, you're understanding your value a little bit more and you have a vision for the opportunities that you can take advantage of and what you, what you need to say no to. Yeah. So in, in personal branding, talk about your mindset when you created athletes unheard and first describe athletes unheard and then talk about the, the mindset you had when building the brand in the personal statement for athletes unheard. Yeah, man. Like, so kind of taking a step back, man. I grew up in the, in the inner city of DC um, and moved around a lot. Single parent household. Me, and my mom, and my brother. And that's why we're nice. That's why we're <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. let's go. <laughs> yeah, man. So in hindsight, uh, you know that came with a lot of trauma. Seeing my mom struggle just going through certain things, and I didn't realize it until I got older. Um, how those experiences kind of manifested itself in negative ways, man. Like I was, for a period of my life, I was very angry and I would lash out over little stuff and was just going through various challenges and I didn't know why they were there. So this topic around mental health and and wellness was never really discussed or something that I, I, frankly, I don't even think I heard until I finished playing sports. And so going through that, but also seeing, you know, in 2020, 
numerous athletes who are struggling with heightened levels of depression, anxiety, and really just seeing a huge void that was there when it comes to mental health and still a stigmatism around the topic. Um, you know, I wanted to create something that addressed it and uh, really kind of brought these these conversations to the forefront and, and, and changed the way athletes thought about mental health. Um, and so that's really why, you know, I wanted to start Athletes Unheard. And, you know, the mission is really just amplify awareness around mental health in, in sports um, and, and doing that through a number of different ways, but primarily, you know, through storytelling, going back to, you know, my roots, man, just giving an outlet and a platform for athletes to talk about their struggles, their experiences very candidly um, without being critiqued or judged or um, feeling like they, they have to hide their emotions and their feelings. So for me, that's what it was really about. And, and then just building out of the vision to where, you know, we're trying to get to a point where athletes see mental and physical health as one and the same, you know, so much of sports, we, we hear the cliche all the time, 90% of sports is mental and 10% is physical, yet athletes spend all of their time on the physical. There's very few athletes that really work on their mind and being cognizant of how they're feeling, what they're going through, and uh, you know the emotions that they're that they're experiencing on a daily basis. And so we're just trying to you know be a catalyst for a movement that frankly should have happened years ago, but it's now coming to the forefront because of the pandemic and various other challenges that we're facing in the world today. My friend Kivi said, "I believe every black man should have a therapist." And I think to what you're saying, God bless that you had the conscience and awareness to wake up. You know what I'm saying? What First, before I even say what I have to say, what made you, how'd you wake up and realize my past is hurting me? Like, how'd you, how'd you wake up and realize that? And what did you do to work through that? Full transparency, man. I think I always realized it. It was something I kind of pushed away. Um, and, 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 I think going through COVID, going back to the, revealing so much about us, I started to have like really massive panic attacks in September. And so I had like three in a span of two weeks. And I had had like one or two early in my twenties, not really knowing what they were, but this was like the worst it had ever been. And I, I started to really see how much like I wasn't being mindful. I was so anxious and worried about you know, whether that was my personal life or business or just have balancing everything and just I was I was in a constant state of, of anxiousness and worry. And that's why I started to really experience that so severely. And so it was it was really coming to that realization, understanding that I neglected my, my mental health for, for far too long um, and also seeing that, um, you know, I was still angry in some regards, like I've worked on it over the years and I've I've talked to people about it and it's gotten a lot better. Um, but there's still things that I'm constantly working through and trying to grow to be a better person, you know, for the for the long run. So those were really kind of the, the points that I came to recently that I that I had to take a step back from myself and, and, and really um, kind of scratch my own itch. But also I know there's several other athletes and even just individuals in this world who are going through the same things and trying to create something that can serve a purpose and make an impact on other people's lives as well. Yeah, man, thank you. Thank you for, for sharing and, and thank you for creating something like that for, for everyone. I think to what you're saying, you know, moving around a lot, single household, and then you're realizing, you know, like, like 
dad issues, like yeah. all that is real, you know? And, and if we really want to be real about it, like our community, our, like our, our drug use and things like that, the fact that where the drugs came from really going deep like that and why we use the drugs, it's, it's like, it's all related to mental frustration. PTSD, sadness, man. And bitterness and all that, all that. We all, like for me, like, like you said, just growing up really mad and not, I was, I, I kept it in though, cause I'm an introvert cause I was raised by all women. So now I have no one to relate to. It's like, I knew this has been bothering me in all these situations, you know, and, and we don't address it cause we have to go. It's a rat race at the same time. I have to graduate. I have to get a job. I have to get an internship. I'm in sports entertainment. So now I'm working for $0. I'm working zero for $0 an hour working over 40 hours for years. All yeah. that stuff adds up, you know, mm -hmm. and it's frustrating and it's taxing is hard. And that's the everyday person, the everyday person, 99% of the people in this world live like that. And yeah. I think we all have some type of mental thing that are challenging or difficult. And we just don't talk about because it's not advertised and we're supposed to just have entertainment and content to distract us. You know, mm -hmm. that's when I realized like, that's why I also like, you with Athletes Unheard and my platform, The Credentials, it's like, all right, let's change the narrative on entertainment. Like we need to learn, we need to tap in because the yeah. quicker we tap in, the better off, like it's even, it's even crazy that we don't realize a capitalistic society functions best when the price is raised down because everyone is informed, everyone is educated. That's how a real capitalistic society is ran and operated we have a jaded one so that's why capitalism it's all jaded and that's why our our structures are jaded like we didn't even get a chance to have like our great grandparents know what slavery is like that's mm -hmm. not that far that's our great grandparents. Not at all. that's not that's not in the tombs and you know hunting the dinosaurs like nah that's our great grandparents mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying yeah. and someone made a point that sean connery in is 76 Martin Luther King would have been 78 right now. That's not that far. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. It's crazy to think about. Yeah. You know, so that's why I really was like, wanted you to get on and, and, and talk about that. So athletes unheard, like, what do you all, what do you all do? Is it just storytelling? Is it podcast? Describe, talk about that. So primarily a lot of, a lot of media. So storytelling through various mediums, we're working on a docu-series right now that features athletes who, you know, try to chase that dream um, and have had their own personal struggles along the way. And many athletes who, who are, we're actually filming a pilot episode right now, but the plan is to have, you know, athletes that you, that you probably haven't heard of, or you might not see in traditional media. Um, so that's, you know, another thing that we're working on and, Really more, so it's about, you know, kind of using our mission as a catalyst through, um, you know, various ways to, to kind of build out the brand. So we're, we're developing a merchandise line as well. Uh, so just finding creative ways to kind of reach the masses with our mission um, and, and really push a movement around mental mental health and wellness and, and building awareness around that for the next generation coming up. I think uh, Gen Z is, is you know, this generation, I think, is going to be very impactful when they're very mission and purpose driven. They're very aware and intelligent. Um, they understand technology. So we're really trying to impact that generation of, of athletes and um, get them to understand that, uh, 
you know, going back to that vision of mental and physical health being seen as one and the same and pushing that through various, you know, products and, and uh, you know, content pillars and things of that nature. So to carry on to your conversation and kind of tie the, the book back in, what social media site do you think is best for creating a community and brand loyalty in 2021? It's a, it's a difficult question because um, I think it largely depends on your, your strengths and what you like doing the most at the same, same, uh, in the same regard. I think when you just think about organic reach, the, the two platforms that come to mind are uh, TikTok and LinkedIn. Um, I'm probably most active on LinkedIn, mainly because I'm a business person. Um, it's probably like what Facebook was eight years ago. Um, it's kind of turning into that right now. And I think the organic reach is still there. So I've been able to kind of build a strong audience on uh, LinkedIn, a very engaged community. But I think TikTok is fantastic, not only for entertainers and people who like to create, you know, comedy or dance um, videos, but also business people and people who just like to are interested in entrepreneurship or um, athletes and things of that nature. So I definitely would say that the, the biggest opportunity right now is TikTok. Um, it's still very early in the game. So if you can get in on that and, um, you know, get a piece of that pie, it, it's, it would definitely be beneficial in terms of just building your brand and creating more awareness. I'm glad you mentioned LinkedIn. That's how me and you connected. I found you on LinkedIn and um, started following your content on there. And that's how we formed a relationship. Can you talk about the opportunities of LinkedIn and what student athletes are missing out on, high school students, college students, regular regular people, regular nine to fivers, all that. What are people missing out on LinkedIn? I think when people think about LinkedIn, they're thinking about it as just jobs when it's really more of a content play, man. Like a lot of the relationships that I've built off LinkedIn um, have led to other opportunities, you know, whether that was monetary or not like just the, I think the relationship piece on LinkedIn just it being the business in a business context um, and you know we live in a capitalistic society so everything is ran by business so that being the focal point of the platform being able to create content that's conducive to uh, what, what you want to be known for or the industry that you're in the land grab on there is is, is really massive and I, I believe they have over 550 million active users, I believe, maybe more now. So um, I think it's a massive opportunity that a lot of people are missing on LinkedIn and, and athletes who might be looking for brand sponsorship and, and uh, to partner with uh, you know philanthropic organizations. Like the, the people who run these companies are on LinkedIn more than they're on Instagram, you know? So if you're trying to get in touch with somebody who's at the top or an executive or a CMO or a CFO, LinkedIn should probably be the first place you should be looking over any other platform, maybe Twitter. But um, I think LinkedIn is, is definitely gold when it comes to that. Like you said, the VPs, the CEOs, the CFOs, the CEOs, they're all on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. They're all on LinkedIn. And not even that, all recruiters, you know, recruiters. Right. Are if, you're to get a job. Mm -hmm. if you just need a, a something to start your career off and you don't know, you have no one in your network, you can just start following a whole bunch of recruiters. And then eventually you you can land an interview and go from there. I've gotten a job from LinkedIn before, you know, right before <laughs> I went to grad school, it just made some right. a nice little, nice little hustle and bought a car <laughs> all up for LinkedIn opportunity, you yeah. know, so 
So now LinkedIn, we're talking about students, whatever the case may be in college. What was your major? Business management. Business management. Okay. So knowing what you know now, knowing what you do now, how would you change your, your approach to your major and how you used your time in college or what adjustments would you make? You know, we can't change the past, but what adjustments would you make? Let's say you're a fresh, a freshman, uh, student athlete, and you're trying to pick a major and you're trying to figure out how do I take advantage of this college experience? What, what would be your advice? I think um, in large part, I don't think majors really matter that much. Um, <laughs> I, think, I mean, they kind of do, but they kind of don't. Um, I think the, the most important thing is like understanding that college to me is about relationships, man. Like I would have, <laughs> I would have definitely being a student athlete, like I would have stepped outside of that bubble, man. I was, I was so caught up in just hanging with my teammates or being around the, the other athletes on campus that there could have been a next Mark Zuckerberg or, um, you know, big VC that's in the in the classroom sitting next to me, but I never talked to him because I'm I'm the cool athlete kicking kicking back with my, my flip-flops, I'm chilling, sleeping class or whatever, instead of trying to network, which is very uncomfortable to do at that age. But the relationships that you can build and the value that someone else can provide to you and vice versa um, can be massive, you know, if you can get comfortable being uncomfortable. So that's what I would tell tell my younger self is like, don't be so caught up in trying to be the cool kid on campus. Like, talk to that talk to that person next to you. Try to see what you know they're about. Try to network with people from different backgrounds, experiences, cultures, races, religions, so that one you have a more uh, you know wider perspective of what the world really is and what it's about. Because it's a big world out here. Um, and then two, building relationships that can get you that next job opportunity or can become a business part- partner in the future. That is the new game in 21, mm-hmm. 2021 and beyond. Networking and relationships. Yeah. You're, I always talk about how bitter I am because I lost an opportunity that I was the best candidate for because I didn't have the best relationship. Mm-hmm. So I try to tell, I want everyone who hear this to always know, like always be creating relationships. That's one thing that I, that's why I joined the fraternity. You know, it wasn't so I could party and all that. like. I look like an athlete already, I, even though I was a regular <laughs> student, you know? So I was going for the relationship. I'm trying to be a part of people that can inspire me and encourage me and help me when yeah. needed. You know, 100%. that's what it's all about in college. Your, your degree doesn't matter. I was working for a doctor's sales. I was doing Hayes Locums, which was a, basically a doctor agent. And I had a sports management degree. They didn't care because my experiences were what they were. They were sales and business. So they're like, oh, I'm focused on that. No one cares that I graduated with a 2-9 because I ran a business and made the company over $60,000, $70,000. They don't care. They they care about that. (laughs) They they care about Yeah, they care about that. And experiences, not even just experiences. And, And more importantly, their relationships. Is yeah. there anything in impact beyond the game that you wanted to talk about that I didn't ask you? Um, not necessarily. I think a big key, um, and, and even a, a chapter that I didn't, I was unsure about putting into the book was the one about social causes. But I think given 
um, everything that's happened in the past year and when you see the, the protests and the racial rises and, and the divide within the country, I thought it was really important to kind of touch on that and, and why it's important for athletes to use their platform to speak out on causes they believe in. And, um, you know, I think most importantly, we're, we're recognizing that we're standing on the shoulders of athletes who have come before us, who have sacrificed and who have used their platforms, even though they didn't have social media, but use what was in front of them to really make a difference to where we're at today and the progress that we've made. So that chapter, I think, is uh, really understated and, and probably one of the most prevalent that I think I'm most proud of when I look back on like the whole process of like putting this out to the world is that book that that chapter about social causes and understanding that the athletes who have come before us have made um you know tremendous amount of of progress in, in terms of bringing this this country to a better place and that we have to continue to use our influence and our platforms to to push that narrative further to add on let me ask you another a follow-up question why did you why do you say that when you're an athlete entertainer that being a role model is not a choice no more and building brands not it's not a choice because you've been it comes with the territory you know you don't you don't have a choice whether or not this kid looks up to you and aspires to be like you like lebron james like there's millions of kids in this country who look at lebron james more than they look to the president of this country and so when you have you, you're in a position to make the impact that you're able to make and the difference in this world. You, you have a role, you are a role model, whether you like it or not, but it's all about what are you doing to actually push that, that forward and to pay it forward so that this next generation can be in a better position than you were as a kid. And so I think that athletes have to understand that there's always an, another athlete behind you, even though if you're last man on the bench in the, in the, in the league, somebody's looking at you, somebody's paying attention to you, somebody wants to be where you're at right now, and they're looking at how you're moving, what you're doing on and off the court. So it's up to you to kind of um, understand that and really take it seriously, because it's not a choice anymore. Like you said, you could be the last person on the bench, the practice player on the team, but guess what? You go back to that college that you came from, you go back to that community, you have tens of thousands of people that look up to you, probably worship you, and would do anything if you gave them some love, some encouragement, right. some anything. And you could change tens of thousands of lives just that way. Now, mm -hmm. extrapolate, like you said, when you're someone that is the star player or all-star or pro bowler or whatever the case may be, that's easily hundreds of thousands, easily hundreds of thousands and possibly millions. So it also goes back to the standpoint of, like we said, in the correct capitalism society, you don't, why, what's the point of dying with all the knowledge, all the talent, all the information and not bettering the people behind you or, or making the world a better place? You know what I'm saying? I always think about it and I had a conversation with my friend, like everything could change for the better we just decided for it to change for the better and, and not live in fear and assumptions. But yeah. since we live in fear and assumptions, things won't change for the better. You know what I'm saying? Until we want to say like, nah, we're stopping. Now we want to change it for the better. So going back to our, our role model question and social causes question, we are, we're, it's 2021 and our community there's still a lot of challenges there's still a lot of injustices going on so we can't take our foot off the gas because it's 
like we like we we're trying to say as soon as you go unconscious that's when it can easily everything that all the progress can easily disappear like that you know mm -hmm. so tapping in and, and staying and realizing that yeah you're an athlete but as soon as you take off that jersey or even not sometimes athletes still get arrested still get um bad treatment still get unidentified it's just they're they still regular people too you gotta realize that sure. yeah just because you make millions you're still a regular person and in this country if you go you can, and certain you can take them, that jersey off but you can't yeah. take your skin color off exactly and until our country gets uh the skin color because we're not even black they say we're black we're not even black you know what i'm saying <laughs> it's just like you're not even white <laughs> you know what i'm saying it's just until we get that whole race and color I ideology out of here then we have to stick together and help each other to elevate everyone's awareness and everyone's level of consciousness you know as this like you say it's just you don't have to but you you have to you don't have to but you have to there's still a lot of problems and you using your platform can really shed light to those problems and help them go away like look at new york you know what i'm saying uh they're ending qualified immunity you know what I mean? That's just, and that's on the, off the backs of regular people. Not even, that's regular people going and demanding and wanting change. And then change happens. It's not even about red or blue. It's about right or wrong. <laughs> you know, that's another thing. It's not about red or, red or blue. Because for people like that are black and brown, it don't help us, red or blue. You know, mm -hmm. it don't help us. But it's not, it's about, now it's about right or wrong. Right yeah. or wrong. And, to get on a, a lighter note, <laughs> um, what have you learned from lessons from the game to now in book writing and, and the whole publishing and being an author process? So, so when I published that first book, um, I knew nothing about publishing a book, uh, nothing about you know writing a book, formatting, structuring, editing, designing the cover like all of this was foreign to me and I kind of went in it with you know just my, my eyes wide and there was a lot of things I did wrong in that first book and I, I don't necessarily regret it because it was a learning process um, and it allowed me to, to get to the point where I'm able to publish Impact Beyond the Game and it was just a much better product in my opinion um, so I think everything man like you asked me what the difference was or what I learned I learned just how to be more meticulous with the process, how to, um, you know, really take every single detail uh, very seriously and, and really pay attention to um, stuff that might seem minute, but are crucial when it comes to creating the best product possible and something that you're proud of. So um, I think this book, man, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a product of just a lot of time and attention and um, effort put into it. So I'm, I'm, I'm much more happy with this result and um, the difference that it's made in, in, in a lot of people's lives so far. You can't think your way to success, man. Like, I don't know who said that. I think it might've been Charlie Munger, but he said, if your first um, iteration of whatever you're trying to build, if you're not embarrassed by it, then you launch too late. So I think that's a testament to anything that you're putting out into the world, whether it's a business, a podcast, a book, of course, whatever the case may be, like, you got to just start, man, and you'll, you'll figure it out as you go along, as you start to create, as you start to be more consistent and, and really just trust the process. So, Thank you for those wise words. 
But like I said, we have in the credentials, we have Malcolm Lemons, Impact Beyond the Game author, University of Niagara uh, basketball player, Kyle Stay San Monaco? San, Mar San Marcos. San Marco. Legendary guard there, overseas player, athlete. I mean, athlete. <laughs> That's an author and <laughs> That's an athlete. That's a good one. Athlete. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I might need to trademark that. Athlete. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I said, entrepreneur, mental health advocate, class clown. Thank you for joining <laughs> the credentials. This was an awesome episode. Until next time. Generational Sports Partnerships and Productions appreciates you viewing and or listening to this original content series. Let this empower you towards positive action. Now let's be great.